Today's episode is brought to you by the Happy Music Teacher Academy, where you can go to get beyond the chaos, build confidence, and find harmony in your music classroom. For more information, go to storiesthatsing.net forward slash join the Happy Music Teacher Academy. See you there. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. elementary music teacher who's frustrated and overwhelmed. I'm Jeanette Shorey, a happy music teacher who loves teaching every day, but it wasn't long ago I was in your shoes. Join me Wednesdays to help you find happy in your music classroom. This week on the podcast, we have Lindsay Titus, who is an educator with over 18 years of experience and an entrepreneur whose passion drives her ability to coach educators on how to define themselves from their inner authentic selves. By helping educators to redefine who they are, Lindsay helps to ignite the inner spark we all hold as educators and helps educators transform their lives by finding their authentic purpose and passion inside and outside of the classroom setting. And I am just going to go ahead and first of all, welcome you, Lindsay. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I feel like your content is so valuable for all educators and you know we we all are facing this overwhelm and exhaustion in what we're doing and i feel like it's getting worse and not better and so you know i really wanted to have you on to to kind of help us through some of that so first of all if you could tell my listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do and we'll go from there yeah absolutely so I, you know, as, as you shared, you know, I am in year um, 18, right? And I always, I always add in that over 18 because I feel like all the teacher prep that we do counts. <laughs> yes. Right. So, you know, give yourselves, give ourselves credit for where credit is due. And so it's little things like that, that I try and reframe in our minds and help educators see how much those little things that really aren't, they're the big things, um, but really can help us be and show up as the educators that we are. So um, officially in year 18, uh, currently a behavior specialist for a um, local school district. And so I work uh, with kindergartner, really preschool up to seniors um, and really support teams uh, on everything behavior. (laughs) So I have been doing behavior type roles for almost my entire career. I started out in the classroom as a self-contained special education teacher and quickly realized that I was going home really like thinking hard about the behaviors my students were doing versus how do I enhance their math or reading, you know, abilities. Um, Mm -hmm. I really wanted to figure out why are they doing what they're doing? How can I help? How can we shape this behavior? And so that kind of led me on a path of really understanding behavior from an inside out change versus trying to do outside changes to to change the students that we work with. And so I've done everything from working residential. I've done in-home ABA therapy. 
I work for a non-for-profit learning center, and now I'm back in the school districts working with uh, K-12 students and staff on really how do we shape behaviors so that we can have, you know, just really enjoyable school experiences for both students and staff. Awesome. That's that's amazing. And again, I'm so excited to have you on because I'm talking to music educators who are just struggling so hard. And, you know, the classroom teacher, the person that's or persons that see them every day for most of the day, I feel like have some power. You know what I'm saying? They know the students better. They know um, they, they have consequences that they can reinforce. They they also have a reward system in place. Usually as a music educator, you know, we get them once a week for 30 minutes and it feels like we really have no power to sort of help us through the behaviors. And then a lot of times we either don't know this, the student very well, or maybe we've, we've had them for a long time, but still, you know, we don't get those intricate details. So uh, that was another reason I felt like it would be really valuable to have you on today. So tell us a little bit about you also in your, you, you're a very busy person and you've also got a business that you do and I get your emails every week. And that's another reason that all the, the motivation and the positivity in your emails are, are just, you know, I, I thrive off of them. So I want you to tell our listeners a little bit about that too. Yeah, thank you so much. So I, about, oh my goodness, five, six years ago now, I was just, you know, at, at the low, right? At the low of the mm-hmm. low. And I was just like, there's gotta be something easier, better. Like it, the, depending on the day, my word changed and I just remember, you know, being at home, crying at dinner, talking to my husband and just saying there has got to be an easier way. Like I have this passion for for education and it, it's got to be easier. Right. And this was pre pandemic. This is pre everything we're experiencing now. And I just remember thinking, like, there's got to be an easier way. And I did some, you know, soul searching and I just kind of like left it at that point. Um, a little, not too long later, it was either that day or the next day I'm, you know, mindlessly scrolling on social media as, as I, I do too. Right. Right. (laughs) And I see this post by someone and it literally was, there is an easier way. And like, that's all I caught. And like my eyes just caught it because I had just had this intense conversation about there's gotta be a simpler, easier way. Mm -hmm. And that really, um, I kind of like soaked up all this person's content and it really helped me realize everything I was trying to do to better myself was all externally based. I was finding different jobs. I was rearranging my house for the 800th time. I was just trying to change everything outside of myself. Mm -hmm. And her whole message was you got to live life from the inside out, not the outside in. And I was like, that scares the, the crud out of me. Like, I was like, <laughs> what? I No, I'm not doing that. But then I had, you know, almost like the devil and the angel, right? I had this like, but you've never tried that and nothing right. else is working. So I went down my own path of mindset work and really figuring out like, who the heck am I? Like, mm-hmm. take my teaching hat off, which was so scary. And I was like, I, I got nothing. Like I, I, this was, you know, I had a, 
my daughter was probably one or two at the time. My older daughter was, was a baby. And I remember thinking like, I don't want her to be like this when she's older. I don't want her to be struggling on who figuring out who she is. Right. And so I went down my own path and ultimately people started noticing. And I, I mean, I noticed, I saw it immediately, but even people close to me were like, you're different. Something's different. Like even my husband would be like, that didn't stress you out today. And it would have like a month ago. And the more that I learned how to do this work of working from the inside out versus the outside in, I started to then think like, well, could I share this with others? And how can I share this with others? Because I think it needs to be shared with others um, that are living and breathing, trying to figure out who they are, especially within education, because it can so, being an educator can so quickly consume our identity Mm-hmm. And I will, you know, they always say like, pick the hill you're going to die on. I will die on the hill to say, you do not only need to be an educator, like <laughs> you get to be right. too. And so Define You was born, um, Define University. And I think we're in year like three or four. Everything is so shifted now with a new little one that has come. Um, but I, you know, and I take it kind of each quarter at a time, each month at a time, seeing where my time allows me to, to pour into But ultimately, Mm -hmm. I love to inspire and empower educators to live the blended lifestyle that works best for them. So being able to love what you do at work and also be able to love what you do once you've left work Um, and really helping people define who they are so that your identity isn't solely educator because that can feel really overwhelming. Right, right. And, you know, I think as educators, also as women, because I would say a large percentage of my audience is not only music educators, but also women. And we tend to take on all the roles, like we want to be all the things. And actually, last week's podcast was all about not letting guilt guide your life. And we do as I think as educators, male, male, female, whatever, um, we tend to, we want to help people. That's our, that's our goal. You know, that's why we became educators and we feel like we have to be all the things to all the people. And so it makes it really difficult to, you know, you end up losing yourself. I mean, if you're a mom, as we both are, and I'm sure a lot of my listeners are as well, we we want to be the best mom or the best dad and we lose ourselves in that and then we want to be the best educator and we lose ourselves in that and and you're right before too long we are in a place where we are going who the heck am i and you know what what does my life mean and everything is stressful and that's one of the the things that i I've worked with, I'm, I'm in my fifties and I've worked through in my lifetime. And I think a lot of it has to do with letting go of the perfectionism and feeling guilty about not being able to do all the things, because let's face it, there's only 24 hours in a day and we do have to sleep for some of those. So tell me more about in your journey, like What did you do? What were some of the details? Because I think that's probably the most helpful part. How did you sort of make this major pivot? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I started really doing almost less, right? So oftentimes when people hear about starting this type of journey, they think, what book can I read? What what podcast can I listen to? Who can I go work with? And I, I mean, those are all great. (laughs) 
Right. Right. Those are great. But I really started with things that made me uncomfortable, but not pushing me too far out of my comfort zone. So I started with gratitude, right? We all hear gratitude is so important, but I quickly learned that it wasn't just gratitude for all the things that I enjoyed in my life, but I really pushed myself to come up with. So I started with three minutes. So anyone that's heard my story um, you will hear this probably because I share it every time I started three minutes. I did not change a single thing in the rest of my day, three minutes in the morning. So my alarm, if my alarm was set for six, I would set it for five fifty-seven, and I just laid in bed and I just rambled off all the things I was grateful for. Nice. It was really hard at first. I made it about 30 seconds <laughs> and then I pushed and I pushed and I pushed. Once that became easy, I went to a list. I went to more of a written form. Once that became easy, then my list became almost like 50-50 and I forced myself to find things that, okay, what would I normally not say that I'm grateful for? And the easiest example comes from like when I have a headache, like nobody usually is like, oh yes, thank, like I am so grateful for this headache. But I've now learned again through these small little tweaks that I actually am really appreciative of a headache because it reminds me to slow down. And it reminds me to say, when is the last time I actually had water? Because I've probably had coffee, Diet Coke, and some kind of other flavored drink. Like I probably had not had coffee or I've not had water that day. So right. I now see that headache as a signal for, hey, it's time to lay down or it's time to get some water or it's time mm -hmm. to go get some oils. Like I see it as a reminder now and I'm grateful for that reminder. Um, and so it really pushes because the deeper you go in gratitude, even you learn like everything is even right. We, we give labels, whether something's good or bad, but in all actuality, it's just, it's neutral. And mm -hmm. so when we can mm -hmm. learn to see things. And so that was really the first thing that I did. The second thing I did is I learned to fall in love with the mirror. So I grew up with no self-confidence, no self-esteem, like hated the mirrors. And I 100% know that I got that from my mom. <laughs> If she was here, she knows that. I feel that. <laughs> I used to tell her that all the time. Um, but I learned to fall in love with the mirror. So when I was getting ready in the morning, I would start talking to myself in the mirror and just reminding myself of my strengths. I would remind myself of the things that I can do, the hard things I've overcome, what I desire in this world. And I just used that time in the mirror as a time to really have a really intimate conversation with me. That intimate conversation then led to learning how to journal and kind mm -hmm. of getting some of those thoughts out on paper. But I think so often we want like this big, big audacious strategy to use. And I see that both with mindset work. I also see it with behavior supports that I do in classrooms. We want this like one big strategy that's going to work. Mm -hmm. And the strategy to remember is you, like you are the tool. And so if I want a sharpened tool, right? If I want the, to pick the correct tool for the, the, the task I need to do, then I've got to be able to see myself as that tool. And that comes with having some really intimate conversations with yourself. Um, and I like to build them into my day, right? It's not one more thing to do, but right. everybody looks in the mirror at one point or another in a day. And so anytime you pass a mirror, you got to talk to yourself, say, say a strength, say something you love about yourself, say something you're working on, say something you aspire to be. Um, and that gets you more comfortable with who you are so that anywhere that you are, you're always, that's your foundation. Wow. That, that totally just blew my mind because 
I will say to you that I, as I said before, I'm in my fifties, I'm starting to notice all these like wrinkles and, you know, and, and I'm constantly, I look in the mirror and I'm beating myself up the whole time, you know, and, and, and I do journal in the morning, every morning I get up and I uh, write down things I'm grateful for. And then I talk about a win and I've got actually a, a written journal, but I love the idea of saying something to yourself in the mirror. Do you do it out loud or do you do it to yourself? I do, do if it? I'm in, if I'm in private. So like when I'm <laughs> home, I do, if I'm like at work, <laughs> I, I do it to myself, but I do when I'm training. Cause I, I do some trains at work and I share this with people and I go, so if you ever walk in a bathroom and I'm staring at myself in a mirror, you guys all know what I'm doing now. <laughs> wow. That's I I'm taking that away like today because I and, you know, I was thinking I've I've been journaling for about a year on what I'm grateful for. And I don't think ever once have I talked about, you know, I mean, I talk about my strengths and that sort of thing. But I, I love the idea of reframing like the whatever it is you're beating yourself up about to to reframe it and make it OK. This is. I'm going to appreciate this. I I did that during the pandemic. You know, I was very blessed during the pandemic that I didn't lose anyone and um, no one got really sick that that was, you know, immediate family or very close friends, that sort of thing. But I did. I'm going back to what you said about the headache and and reminding yourself, you know, for such a, a terrible time in life, it also kind of made us pause. I mean, we, we literally had to stop and I, I've definitely taken things out of that. And I do get up about an hour earlier than I, you know, I've done that for a long time, but the journaling part has been more recent. And that is a no questions asked a definite part of my day. And it really is helpful. Yeah. And, you know, I think one of the things I get most often when I share that is, but Lindsay, like, what if it's worse than a headache, right? Like, what if it's not a good thing? And to that, I say, you can, you can have two emotions at one time, right? So my mom, like, like I I get then my next example, it's like, I go from a headache to losing my mom, (laughs) but that's just the easiest way for me to explain it because I did, I lost my mom in 2020, um, not because of COVID though. It just happened to be during the pandemic. And I, of course, like grief is sadness, like every emotion, but I also was grateful for the process. It brought my family closer together. It got, it actually brought me closer together with her. We had a very um, loving relationship, but a lot of, a lot of things going on in it. Mm -hmm. And it was, it brought me a lot of, I I was able to actually get some answers to things that I don't think she was ever going to share with me. Mm -hmm. So it was, I got answers to things because, so it's like, I always ask myself, is the emotion that I'm holding onto, is it serving me? And if it's not right, living in that, that moment, it wasn't serving me. So I had the power to see it through a different lens. Is it easy? No, not always. But it, when I look at it through that lens and I get to see how, what in it is for growth and expansion for me, because at the end of the day, if it's not serving me, it's up to me to change it. And the one thing I remember about emotions, because I think that's the thing that leads to that overwhelm that we all feel, Mm -hmm. is emotions are energy in motion. They are meant to be felt. 
They are meant to be released. They're not meant to be stuffed down, but that's what we all learn. Or mm-hmm. we all, you know, many of us learned <laughs> growing up, right? Right. It's like, it's okay to show the emotion because when we show it, we own it and then we release it. Nobody wants to walk around feeling grumpy all day, but we think, you know, or sometimes we're taught like, no, don't share like me. I will very much admit to everybody here in my family at work, man, that was a really tough half hour. I think I was just the grumpiest I've been in a long time. Like get it out and then move on. Right. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's not grumpy. Maybe it's a different emotion, but the, the moment I learned that, you know, one, we can feel two things. So it's okay to write things that are, are hurtful or maybe lead to a different emotion. You can still have gratitude for it. You can have both. Um, we're not trying to just say everything's going to be okay, but it's when I see it as a way that it's serving me or it somehow will align to me in my growth and expansion, then I don't feel stuck, if that makes sense. Right. Totally, totally. And, uh, you know, the, the whole... I was, as, as you were talking, I was thinking about, I don't remember where I learned this, but probably a couple of years ago that when you're feeling a feeling like, especially if you're nervous about something or you're scared about something to sort of delve into in a very minimal way and say, I'm afraid that this is going to happen. I'm afraid of this and I'm afraid of it because this is going to happen. And I have taken to doing that and it really does make a difference or I'm angry because of, and my, my husband and I um, have very different ways of dealing. And I will, when I get angry about something, I have to walk away because otherwise things come out of my mouth that shouldn't come out of my mouth and I can be very mean and hurtful. Um, So I walk away and I've learned to do that as a younger person. I did not do that. And he, and then I want to come back and I want to say, okay, I was angry. I apologize for losing my temper. This is why I was angry. And he wants to be done. And he'll be like, no, 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 we don't have to talk about it anymore. <laughs> so it's kind of like, but but expressing it, you, to me, I always feel better. And I've even noticed for him, he does not like to express his feelings. But when he finally does, it will stew and stew like for weeks. And then when he finally tells me what's, and he'll always say, are you sure you want to hear this? And I'll be like, yes, please. I need to hear this. And then he'll tell me and it'll be like, and then he feels better. You know, like his whole attitude is different. So getting those feelings out is really important. And, and like you said, journaling or talking about it or whatever it happens to be. Yeah. And it's, it directly connects. This is why I love this work so much because it directly connects to the work we do in our classrooms. So Mm -hmm. if I want a student to be able to experience anger, because let's face it, they all are, they're going to experience anger in some way, shape or form. It's a human emotion. Mm -hmm. If I want them to experience anger, but I don't want them to behave angrily, right? I don't want the hitting and the kicking and the property destruction. I don't want that but I I want them to express their emotions. Well, then I have to be able to do that too. I have to be able to model it. I have to be able to understand it so that when a student says to me, this is so, you know, you can add in whatever language you want. (laughs) This is so ridiculous. Um, That's what I hear. Even if it's a swear word, I hear, I am so mad right now. I'm going to hit something, but instead I'm going to say this word instead, right? Now, it doesn't mean I'm okay with the, the swearing. 
but I am in the moment because I would much rather that than the alternative. Mm -hmm. Then I can work with the student to shape and say, okay, now where do you feel that? Do you feel it a little bit sooner? Because these are all things that we can practice too. Like I feel my anger before I express it. Mm -hmm. And so now when I feel it, right. And I feel it right in like my like chest area. I feel my shoulders tighten. I feel it a little bit in my jaw. I know to, I, I I'm, I'm a walk away, but I'm a walk away. So otherwise I will start crying. <laughs> that I do that my, too. <laughs> that is my expression of anger. And so that will give me a few minutes to excuse myself, to take a break, to say my emotions are getting the better of me. I'm going to go take a break, whatever it might be get myself back in check, and then be able to address the situation. And so a lot of times when we look for strategies, it's really about how can I experience the moment as present as I need to be mm-hmm. so that I can actually hear what's being said instead of really focusing in on the how. Right? Mm-hmm. I can see what's really in front of me versus, well, this is what I think and assume. And the more that we can do that, whether we have our kids every day for six hours or you have them once a week for 30 minutes, Mm -hmm. you're present with them. And that's the most important part. Definitely. I, I love what you said about being able to model for them. I am a big believer in, and this was not always, this is something I've learned over time, that if someone has hurt my feelings or someone has made me upset, angry, whatever, I'm going to tell them. Now, obviously, I'm not going to, you know, say it in a in a detrimental way. But for example, I have said to students before, I spent so much time working on this lesson plan for you. And I was so excited to present it to you. And you're not doing what I want you to do. And it's hurting my feelings. I actually cried in front of a class last year because I was feeling as I was saying it, I was feeling all the things and, you know. And I, I, it just emotionally came out and I started to stop it. And then I was like, no, I, I think it's okay for them to know that I have feelings too, because I think they look at us as these not really people, you know, when they see you outside of the classroom, they're like, why is she in the publics? Because that's just, why would they, I mean, I had a little girl one time ask me, where do you sleep in here? You know, <laughs> she was in my classroom. So but but the modeling, I agree, is so, so important. Yeah, it's, you know, and again, you're going to change it based on the class you have, the students you have, the, the message you want to get across, right? Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. but it is so important that regardless that we are not putting a label before human beings. And I say that all the time, like you are a human being first and you're a teacher second. You're, they are a human being first. They are a student second. And I think sometimes we forget that they are human beings first, right? They're still learning how to live life. Their mm-hmm. brains are not fully developed. Um, they won't be until they're about 25. And yes. so it is realizing <laughs> that if they're not in their thinking brain, anything we say is not getting in there. <laughs> and so, you know, people are always like, well, then what do I do? I'm like, then you prioritize safety. If they're emotionally flooded, giving them a lecture on how to do X, Y, and Z is not gonna is not gonna help, right? We can have that conversation once they've come back down to baseline and they're mm-hmm. hearing what we're saying. And we can ask them to say, hey, I spent, you know, th- this was my this was my goal going into today's lesson. And clearly we had different goals. 
what about it did not meet your goal? Like what, mm-hmm. what would be better for you? And maybe this is a whole class circle, right? It's a whole class conversation. It doesn't mean you're going to go change everything you've done, but now you're able to hold a conversation versus holding a grudge about what didn't go right that day. Right. Right. right? And exactly. that sometimes I think it's okay you know, I, and I know we're so fast paced nowadays with curriculum. We're so like, go, go, go pacing, pacing charts are sometimes off the chart in my opinion. Um, but it, in my mind, if you want to bring closure to that, or you, you have this need to bring closure, like we've got to start holding those conversations because inadvertently we end up holding grudges against our students, against staff, against directors, you know? And it's like, when we have, can have that conversation to say, here was the goal this was the outcome. Like they're way off balance. How do we get here? This is not working. What is working and how do we see more clarity in that? Mm-hmm. And that's got to come from a, a group conversation that can't come just from teacher led. It's got to be a whole class dynamic. Right. Right. That makes sense. So what do we do in the moment? We have the talk later mm-hmm. and as an elementary music teacher, we don't have a lot of time. So Um, what I suggest when you're, when you're having that talk later is you need to find a time to do it. You know, you need to, you need to go and visit the student, pull the student out, whatever you have to do. But in the moment, Lindsay, what do we do there? So what, what type of behavior are we, can you still teach? I think that's, that's my biggest question. Mm -hmm. Um, if yes, let's say that for the most part, you can still teach. Obviously, there are times when when you can't. Right, but right. If you can still teach and you have that one student, I had a little boy who like just continuously talked to me last year and he tried, literally tried to make me angry every single, that was his entire goal. There was obviously something going on with him. I didn't know what it was, um, but Yeah. So, so in that kind of a situation, like, what do you do? Yeah. So, and here's, I think what's really important is anybody listening to know every situation is going to be unique. Mm -hmm. And so I think that is what makes behavior support challenging Mm -hmm. (laughs) because there are some, you know, okay, here's our, here's our kind of level one, right? Here's our tier ones that we can do, but anything that needs to be more individualized is really going to be dependent on that student, your classroom, what, what needs they have, what needs you have. Right. Right. So I think that's your number one question. Is this behavior impacting teaching or learning of others? Mm -hmm. If I can keep teaching and it's, I can kind of do some nonverbal prompting or I can have a visual that's, that's, you know, going to be better than having to stop instruction. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you are instructing nonverbal prompting is going to be the way to go. So I would create some type of visual that shows the expectation because then as you're walking around, you've got something to point to, and it can be a picture or a word, like depending Mm -hmm. on what your student needs. Um, I think too, then in the moment, if this is like a student that typically isn't like this, that is um, just kind of off that day. Mm -hmm. Once there is a pause, right? Once you have that ability to say to your students, all right, We've done this. Here's what I need. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to each practice for two minutes. I'm setting my timer for two minutes. Well, now those two minutes, you have to go to a quick check-in with that student. Mm-hmm. Hey, here's what I, and I love to use notice and wonder. Here's what I've noticed, right? So it's not what I think. We're not jumping in with, I think something's off today. I think you need to do this. It's, 
Mm-hmm. I notice your body's having a really hard time today. Or I notice you, there's a, you got, you have a lot to say. I'm wondering what would help you in this moment. And so now you've done that connection. And if, you know, again, you're going to kind of work with them. If you're like, I know I'm just having a really tough day. Okay. So I wonder if maybe, um, being my helper would help, would that help you kind of engage more? I wonder if you need to take, would you mind running an errand for me? And maybe they just need to get to the office and come back, right? Take something to a mailbox and come back. Mm -hmm. That's where you're going to have, again, kind of some of those you've done it proactively, right? You've identified, Hey, if I have a kid that's having a really hard time, here are some options. So you're not in the moment trying to come up with them all, right? You have them ready to go. So that you're saying to the student, I see you, I hear you, and I'm here to work with you Um, versus just jumping in and saying, I need you to be quiet so that I can teach. That message doesn't usually go off that well. (laughs) Right. No, it never goes off that well. It never goes off. But think about, think about that word need, right? Like if I came home and my husband was like, I need you to do the dishes and I need you to then go do the laundry. Like I'd be like, no Uh, way. No (laughs) <laughs> but we do that. We, we use that word with our students. We're like, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. And again, if we go human being, human being to human being, no one wants to told what they need to do. Right? right. And so when we, we can change that though, right. We can change that word to, I'd love to see. Um, I can't wait to see who can sit down first. I can't wait to see who's going to rock my socks off today. Right. Like we can change it and it's still giving an expectation. Right. Um, And so for that student, when they know they've been heard, they've been seen and that we're here no matter what, sometimes Mm -hmm. that's all they need. Now, if it gets to the point where instruction is not happening, that is where I would say that's the conversation. I want you here in class. I love having you here in class, but I cannot teach right now. And our friends cannot learn. Our students cannot learn with this behavior. So Mm -hmm. we need to make a choice right now. Are we able to make a, to pick a strategy to stay in the classroom or do we need to take a break out of the classroom, right? It's still a supportive break, but it's, you're being very clear. Teaching is your priority, right? Mm -hmm. Your, Mm -hmm. your job is to be there to teach and support. So right now the teaching is not helping. So what level of support does the student need? Right. Does that make sense? Totally. That makes sense. Thank you. Yeah. Um, let's go back to the the idea of um, being the teacher, being the human being in the classroom and the idea of um, being uh, the overwhelmed. The, what, what strategies do you have that you can help us with? Because I know that you've got a lot of good advice and, yeah. and, and also tangible, um, you know, digital things that, that you can offer. Yeah. So I think you're, you really, you're going to become your own, like, I don't know, like I would say like worst critic, but that's not it at all. That's like the word that just came to me. It's like being aware. So I always use, I, I love using a four a analogy. So awareness is first mm-hmm. then acceptance, then acknowledgement, and then action. And so what happens is so often we are overwhelmed and Mm -hmm. we jump to action, right? We get this overwhelmed feeling and I'm going to go watch Netflix all night, right? That's my action. Mm -hmm. I'm going to jump to something. Mm -hmm. But when we do that, that's where we find the merry-go-round effect. We do all different things, but we actually don't go anywhere. So if you think of a merry-go-round, the horse goes up and down a little bit, Mm -hmm. but you don't actually go anywhere, right? You're just going in a circle. And so when we 
when we have that awareness, I'm overwhelmed and I jump to action, we don't often get the long-term effect we're looking for. Mm -hmm. But instead, if we can do those two middle steps, so I acknowledge the feeling. And even with that, a quick reframe is instead of I am overwhelmed, it's I am experiencing overwhelmed. I am feeling overwhelmed because the only thing that you are, I mean, for me, it's like, I am Lindsay. Like that is the only I am statement. I mean, unless you're going to go positive, I am strong. I am helpful, right? Those ones. But saying I am overwhelmed typically doesn't serve anybody, right? So that's where we're constantly now, anybody I coach or work with, they get very in tune with the language that they're using. Mm -hmm. And so if you are using language, like I am overwhelmed, they'll be like, oh, I'm experiencing overwhelm, just like you said, because, right? And now it ties to an experience, not this overarching feeling that I'm always going to have. Okay. And so we have this awareness and then we have to go to acceptance and we have to be able to say, it's okay <laughs> that I'm <laughs> experiencing overwhelm right now. And it seems so simple, but it's not, it's so huge. Like it's giving yourself that grace. I think we hear it all the time, right? Give ourselves grace, but we don't actually practice it. And the best way to practice grace is by saying, I am, I am experiencing overwhelm and I'm okay with that for this moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I acknowledge where I want to go. Okay. I'm experiencing overwhelm. I really want to feel relief. I want to feel like lighter. I want to feel just not so like burnt down or like um, buried down almost. Right. And so for me, then I'm going to think what action is going to get me there. And sitting and watching Netflix isn't going to get me there. No. Right? And so instead I might say, do it a little deeper dive. What is the overwhelm stemming from? And if it's, there's, you know, too many things on my plate right now, well, then I'm going to do a little quick analysis of those plates and say, which one do I need to say? Mm, not right now. Mm-hmm. Or which one do I need to delegate to somebody else? So which one do I need to say, okay, I was going to do this really crazy lesson, but you know what? The, this week's just not it we're going to go basic. <laughs> right. 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 Love it. And we're going to make that change. And then we're going to say, does that get me towards feeling lighter? And if the answer is yes, then that's the action I'm going to take. Um, I do on my website, I have different like reflection tools because mm-hmm. I love using really simplistic means to get there. Right. Oftentimes it's, I pull out a sheet of paper and a pen and I just, I, I, I almost do this little mini planning it, for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, to figure out what is it that, where is that overwhelm coming from? And then what's going to help me feel the feeling that I actually desire. Um, the other one, the other word to always listen for when you're speaking is should. And so when I hear should, I think I, I termed it shouldville and shouldville is a place that if you're there, meaning you're saying things like I should do this, I think I should do that. Then you are doing it for someone else, not for yourself. Because if it was for yourself, it would be, I choose to. Right. And so if it's, you know, I should really cook this big dinner because it's Sunday night. Well, who's expecting that? Nobody in my family expects a big, I have it in my head that it's Sunday. I'm home. I should make this big dinner. Right. But do I want to? No. What would feel better? I'm going to cook a simple recipe so that we can eat as a family because that's the most important thing. And I'm going to choose to make this simple dinner because that's going to be, that's going to lead to that feeling of lighter, airier family time, but that's what I actually desire. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. That, that it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, it's about kind of like 
letting go of all those preconceived notions of I should be doing this and I should be doing that. And I, I have to do this. I love that. I, you know, I think we, we were, you know, we scroll through social media and we're seeing all these amazing people and we're going, oh my gosh, I really should be doing like somebody's making this beautiful recipe for their family and they're, or they're showing off their gorgeous house or whatever. And, you know, we're putting all this pressure on ourselves that we really don't need to have. So I love the message there. Yeah. The other way to really think about it is Again, the more that you practice this, it really is about slowing down and listening to the thoughts that you're having. And so I always say change comes from when we can listen to our thoughts, listen to our language, and then watch our actions. Mm -hmm. If they are out of alignment, right? If I'm thinking, oh, I really want a simpler life, but then I keep saying yes to everything that gets thrown my way, I'm out of alignment. Right. And so it's really making sure our thoughts, our language, and our actions truly align to what we desire for right now. And that's the important part, too, is remember this season that you're in is going to change in a week, in two weeks, in a month, in six months, you know, depends on each person and each situation. But it's okay to pause and make those adjustments to what is going to serve you best right now. Um, and if you are having one of those moments of like, oh, I see that I, I need to do that. Ask yourself, whose thought is that? Is that my actual thought? Or is that my thought? Because I think it's, it, it looks cool, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or if I do that, that's going to mean I have it all together. Well, no, what if we have it all together right now? Like, what if we just trust that who we are in this moment is exactly who we're supposed to be? I love we that. We don't actually have to keep chasing this this dream that we have because that chase is always going to stay in the future. Right. Only when we can bring it to this present moment and say who I am right now is who I love and who I'm meant to be, I can still have a goal to get somewhere else. But mm-hmm. if I don't love where I am now, I'm in this constant state of am I worthy enough? Am I good enough? And to me, I had to just learn to release that and say I am worthy, I am good, I'm I am enough as I am right now. And that's Mm -hmm. all that matters. And so the more that you can use those types of mantras and those types of language to get yourself understanding, no matter what I've done, it doesn't define me. I define myself by who I show up as and who I'm being in each moment. And that's what's the most important thing. Excellent. So we go back to the the mirror thing, you Mm -hmm. know, looking in the mirror and loving what you what you are, who you are. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. So what resources can you guide my listeners to? Because I know you've got lots of great resources. Yeah. So on my website, which is um, just defineuniversity.com, but university is spelled Y-O-U, uh, university. Um, there are there are freebies. There are There's just other information. So you can kind of see. Um, and then I also, both on my website and on Amazon, there is actually on my website are the affirmation cards too. But on my website and Amazon, there is a journal. I have a 30-day and a 90-day journal that guides you through. There's like a positive message each day. And then there's room for gratitude, celebrations, and then your reflection based on how the the poem made you feel that day. Um, And it's just, again, it's just space to get those thoughts out. Um, And I love it too, because then when you're doing that almost self-analysis, you can go see what was I writing? What was I feeling? Where is that coming from? And you're doing your own kind of inner, inner work. That's, that's the inner work we're talking about, um, that nobody can, you know, kind of replicate for you because you are 
you are you and you are unique. So um, those would be, you know, the areas that I would start, but certainly, you know, I'm on social media. Again, my website has my contact info, happy to touch base with anybody that's looking to figure out kind of what steps might be um, the next best steps for them. Excellent. Um, So I will link to in the show notes to Lindsay's website, to um, any of those products, the affirmation cards and the journal for sure. We'll make sure that you have access to those. And I will also put her email into the into the show notes as well so that you have a way to reach out to her. Thank you so much. This is I, I'm so excited for this episode to go out because it's it's really good stuff. I really appreciate you being on today. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. If you got some great tips and tidbits that are going to help you become a happy music teacher, I would be so thankful if you'd leave me a review. Thanks so much for your time. Well, that's all I have for you today. But before I go, let me remind you, keep learning, keep growing, and keep being fabulous you.